This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where senators have decided not to vote on a controversial abortion bill until Thursday. That, however, did not stop a protest and symbolic occupation of the Capitol by opponents of SB 404, which requires parental consent for minors who seek an abortion. A House committee approves a bill that eliminates the statute of limitation for cases of child sexual battery. It's called Donna's Law, and later in the program, you'll hear from Donna herself as she tells her story for the first time in a public setting. A House committee votes to repeal the state law that allows local governments to install red light cameras at busy intersections. Supporters say those cameras are saving lives. Opponents call it taxation by citation. A bill that would allow EMTs to provide emergency care for police dogs and to transport those canines in an ambulance clears the Criminal Justice Committee in the state Senate. We'll also have your daily political calendar for the Capitol and our regular update on Florida Man, who sometimes takes the truth in labeling law way too seriously. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, January 5th. There's nothing like a protest to liven things up at the Florida Capitol. More than 100 opponents of Senate Bill 404 converge on the Capitol to denounce the idea of requiring parental consent when underage women decide they want an abortion. The bill had been scheduled for final passage in the Senate Tuesday, but the vote's been postponed until tomorrow. That delay did not stop the protest. Lauren Brunzel with Planned Parenthood says their supporters never really got the chance to tell their side of the story when the bill was moving through committees. The purpose of the rally is, one, we want to get people motivated and feel like they have a voice. Unfortunately, we've seen multiple instances of our legislators shutting down people who have traveled from all over the state to give their testimony. So we're giving them that chance to speak today. It's also to get people excited for our occupation later today, where we're going to be standing against the Senate's uh, potential vote today, but probably on Thursday for Senate Bill 404. Since they have decided to delay until Thursday, um, what's the point of doing the rally today? The point of doing the rally today is um, I feel like it's a pretty clear stance that we started this mobilization. The plan was set for Tuesday and now it's been pushed back to Thursday. Um, we are showing that people have a voice. We're delaying this legislation. Um, and even if we don't have the votes, we know that the people are ready to fight it. This is not a popular piece of legislation, despite what an extremist minority says. I want to say that I hope that senators start to listen more to people's voices who travel here. I think we saw a lot of really unfortunate shutdowns of citizens' voices during the committee process. It's super unfortunate when uh, people are traveling and people locally, a lot of students we had to be a part of the democratic process and they're shut down because the bill is controversial. People need to be able to speak their truth. And we had people coming here who had experienced delays in the judicial bypass process. We had people coming who had been from abusive families who had to see a bypass and their voice was not able to be heard on something that so deeply impacts them. The Senate plans to vote on the abortion bill tomorrow and House leaders plan to pass that Senate bill as soon as they can. Then it goes to the governor who's already said he'll sign the bill and then it goes to court. Ten years ago, the legislature gave local governments the authority to install automated cameras at high-traffic intersections to catch red-light runners, but there's a drive in the legislature to shut them down for good. Representative Blaze Angolia says cameras were supposed to make the roads safer, but all they've really done is make them more expensive. The purpose of red-light cameras has shifted away from public safety to one of a revenue generator. In my opinion, it is nothing more than taxation by citation. Some red light camera proponents maintain they generate revenue for public safety, but the data shows otherwise. A recent OPAGA study report shows only about 14% of the revenue generated by red light traffic cameras go towards public safety. The ones benefiting the most are the vendors. 
Out of all the money collected via fines by local government, about 49% are used to pay red light camera vendors. These local governments typically pay between $4,250 and $4,700 per camera per month. Some proponents of red light cameras maintain it's making our roads safer but motorists, for motorists, but the data shows something different. Florida's red light camera law is called the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act. He was killed by a red light runner, and his wife Melissa has been working for more than a decade to preserve her late husband's legacy. I'm Melissa Wandel, and I am wife of Mark Wandel of the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act, Act um, the red light safety cameras. For those of you that do not yet know, um, this bill was passed in my husband's name uh, back in 2010 after he lost his life due to the negligence of a red light runner. And we were nine months pregnant with our daughter on that day. My daughter was born just two weeks later after this fatal crash. Today, February 4th, my daughter and I should be celebrating my husband's birthday, his 47th birthday. Instead, I'm up here advocating against a potential repeal of the Safety Act that has been saving lives since its implementation nine years ago. In a day when roadway tragedy is at its highest, we should not be taking down safety tools. We should actually be adding safety measures that will reduce the risk and save lives. Bicyclists and pedestrians, they're our most vulnerable road users. In Florida, we are number one in the nation for bicyclist deaths. We are number two in the nation for pedestrian deaths. At intersections that have the red light safety cameras where crosswalks are present, pedestrian deaths are down by 10%. Traffic crashes have become a way of life. They're an expectation. We should be outraged that they're an expectation every day. I work all over this country on safety solutions to curb behaviors of roadway tragedy. We need to slow down, we need to pay attention, and we need to support safety solutions that save lives. My husband did not have to die on October 24th of 2003, but he did. When this crash occurred and my husband lost his life, just two weeks shy of our little girl being born, I was not broken and discouraged. I was heartbroken and encouraged. Encouraged to move forward in love, to advocate for safer roads so that other people would not have to walk in the shoes that I walk in each and every day. 16 years later, I have to tell you that I am determined, and I'm determined than ever, to drive down this insatiable heartache on our roadways. One death is one death too many. We have proven safety measures in place and they are saving lives. For those of you that are for the repeal, I am sorry that you cannot see the value that I see in the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act. It's hard to argue against the widow of a law enforcement officer, but Representative Angolia responded by saying red light cameras have actually made intersections more dangerous. Make no mistake about this, this is about safer roads. That's why we're doing this. The number of total crashes occurring at intersections before and after red light cameras were installed has increased since the installation of the red light cameras. After red light cameras were installed, total crashes were up 10.54%. Angle crashes, which is the ones most commonly associated with red light running, are up 
0.5%. Rear end crashes, the type most commonly associated with the presence of red light cameras, up 10.53%. Not only the crashes are up, but the crashes are yielding a higher percentage of incapacitating injuries when there were no red light cameras at the same intersection. I still maintain that this removing this is about public safety. We still have to solve the problem with people running red lights. But my argument is the data is showing that the red light cameras are not improving safety. It's actually making it worse. The bill repealing the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act passed by a vote of 9 to 5 in the House Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee. However, the chairman of the panel and Representative Angolia actually apologized to his widow, sort of, for what they're doing. The next time you see an ambulance screaming away from a crime scene, there may be a dog in the back. Senator Tom Wright says canine cops deserve respect as law enforcement officers. His bill would allow them to be transported by ambulance if they are injured in the line of duty. Last year we had two canines assassinated in the state of Florida just because they were wearing a badge. In these horrific instances, we should attempt to do all we can to save the lives of these four-legged officers. Specifically, SB 842 authorizes EMS personnel to transport an injured police canine in the line of duty to a veterinary clinic, possible hospital emergency department, or similar facility. The canine may be transported as long as there is no person requiring medical attention or transport first. In addition, the bill provides an exemption within the Veterinary Medicine Practice Act to allow EMS personnel to provide the canine emergency treatment during transport to the facility. This bill is intended to take a proactive approach to save the lives of these officers. As a former canine officer myself and a former paramedic, this bill is extremely important and could help our canine officers in a crucial time of need. Questions, members? <laughs> Senator Pizzo. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is uh, on land only. This is not a helicopter, is it? Just land only. Okay. Yes, sir. Wright's bill won unanimous approval in the Senate Criminal Justice Committee. 49 police dogs have been killed in the line of duty in Florida. The most recent victims were Fang, who worked for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, and Sego, who worked for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. The Justice Appropriations Subcommittee in the Florida House approves a bill abolishing the statute of limitations for sex crimes against kids. Representative Scott Plakin says he's fed up with all the stories about women being shut out by the legal system when they seek justice for the terrible things that happened when they were young. And he wants the abusers to know they won't be able to run out the clock anymore. Because anybody that would commit a sex crime against a minor in our state should understand if you are going to commit this kind of evil against one of our children, the innocence, that you need to look over your shoulder for the rest of your life. Plakin's bill is named Donna's Law. In a moment, you'll hear from Donna. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. This is the part of the show where we normally have a guest in the studio, but sometimes you hear something so compelling in the legislative process that you have to step aside and let that person have their say in hopes that others will hear. Such is the case of Donna Hedrick of Orlando, who was haunted by a rape that occurred almost 50 years ago. Donna's law, the bill that abolishes the statute of limitations for any sexual battery offense involving a victim younger than 18, is named in her honor. This was the first time she told her story in a public setting. Thank you for allowing me a moment to speak in support of what has become known as Donna's law. I am Donna, Donna Hedrick from Orlando, Florida. I'm sure you have a copy of my document that I sent for the first committee about the statement about what happened to me so many years ago and to the other women that I found out that came forward that it happened to them from the same perpetrator, my chorus teacher. 
who raped me just two weeks past my 15th birthday. For many years after being told that no one believed me, would believe me, it's your word against his, I buried this secret deep within my brain. I was told to put on a happy face and try to make it look like all was perfect in my world. Only at night would I lay awake, unable to fall asleep so many times. When I did sleep, I had terrible dreams about what happened. I was made to sit and listen to my rapist, pray to God for, for, to forgive us for what we had done, and then to hear him say, you are still a virgin, you know. These words and the belief that what happened to me was somehow my fault and that I needed God's forgiveness to deal with this made me feel a deep sense of guilt about what happened to me for many, many years. As an adult, when the thoughts of that event came to my mind during dreams or when reading the paper or listening to the news about other children who were sexually abused, I could understand their pain and suffering the way any adult would. It caused deep sadness whenever I heard about these children. But when I thought about my own abuse, I again felt that young girl, uh, like that young girl who no one would believe, and it was my fault anyway. I somehow didn't allow myself to be the same, in the same category as those whose stories were being told and those abusers who were being held to account. I also felt a deep sense of regret that my abuser might be abusing someone else. But then again, he prayed that God would forgive us. Since learning there were indeed other victims of this man, I have been able to process the events with my adult mind. I am now 63 years old, and until today, have only spoken about what happened to me, either one or one, or in a small room with only four or five people who were working to help me share my story. This is the very first time in my life that I have spoken about this in a public forum, and I still find it very difficult. I have learned that a child's brain doesn't fully develop until they are approximately 25 years old. By that age, I had already buried this event so deep inside of me that every time it came to the surface, I was still that barely 15-year-old girl. It was her thoughts that haunted me. I think this is one of the reasons that coming forward in a specified period of time just doesn't work until something jolts you out of that sad, childlike mind and you can process what happened to you as an adult the buried secrets of your past cannot be dealt with. Sometimes, like in my case, I came forward to an adult, but was told the same thing, no one will believe you, it's your word against his. Donna's law does not take away anyone's rights. When a complaint is made, evidence has to support an investigation and prosecution of someone who is accused of crimes. The accused will still have the right to due process and to maintain all of their constitutional rights. I believe that in my case, we have that evidence now. The other women have come forward. Two of us have met with him. And we were finally able, face to face, to have him admit his actions to us after continuing to lie until he was faced with the evidence that we knew one another. This law will never give me the right to face him in a court of law 
because it won't even take an effect until July of this year if the bill is passed. But it will allow children in the future to be able to have their day in court when they are ready to do so, when they are adult enough to do so. Florida's age of consent is 18. This law deals with children, not those old enough to give consent. The bill is to protect our children who are sexually molested and raped. It helps those children, children like me, who weren't able to deal with their abuse in a mature manner to do so as an adult. As time passes, predators continue to prey on the vulnerable. I believe this law will help, in time, make sure that predators who have convinced their prey that they will not be believed if they tell or live in fear because of what their predator will do, they'll know they're not alone. All of us who have been preyed upon stand together to support Donna's law. There are many Donnas out there who deserve their day in court. Donna's law passed unanimously in the Justice Appropriations Subcommittee in the House. Next up, the Judiciary Committee and then the House floor. Your calendar of events begins at 9 a.m. when the House of Representatives convenes for a 30-minute session. Then they are back in session at 4 in the afternoon. One of the bills on the agenda would increase penalties for bear poachers. The Florida Campaign for Criminal Justice Reform is holding a rally at 9 on the steps of the old Capitol building. The Florida Supreme Court meets at 9 to publicly reprimand a Brevard County judge for intemperate conduct in two criminal cases. At 9.30, the Senate Military, Veterans Affairs, and Space Committee will receive a presentation from the Senior Manager of Government Operations for Boeing. That could be interesting, given everything that's happened to Boeing over the past couple of years. The House Appropriations Committee meets at 10. The Senate Appropriations Committee meets at 1. They'll take up the Senate budget. They have a $93 billion spending plan. The House budget is about $1.5 billion less. Former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams and Florida Democratic Party chairwoman Terry Rizzo will hold a roundtable discussion about energizing young voters and a voter protection town hall meeting. They get started at 1.30 on the north campus of Miami-Dade College. Finally today, we check in with Florida Man, who is twice as dumb when there's more than one. Deputies in Santa Rosa County have arrested two Florida men who were caught with a bag that had big letters on the outside saying, Bag Full of Drugs. Ian Christian Simmons and Joshua Michael Reinhardt are both 34 years old. They're both from Orlando, and they're both facing felony drug charges. A trooper clocked them at 95 miles per hour in a Kia, and a canine indicated there were drugs in the car. Deputies found 75 grams of meth, 3 pounds of GHB, a gram of cocaine, 3.6 grams of fentanyl, and 15 MDMA tablets, all in that drug bag. The sheriff's office posted a snarky notice on social media warning people not to transport narcotics in a bag labeled drugs, because their canines can read. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.